Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hello, Ima. Hello, sweetheart. Love you. All right, so today's topic, we will be talking about my father, which this day, today, Yud Tes Nisan is his yard site, his death day. A year ago, he passed away, um, and we wanted to celebrate his life by talking a little bit more about him and his dynamic with um, my mother. So, Ima, mm -hmm. yes, I know that um, when you guys were younger, um, it was a struggle. Oh, uh, by the way, we grew up in we grew up together in the same neighborhood. By the way, oh yeah, yeah so we uh, we knew each we knew each other from the time we we were infants. Um, our parents knew each other. Didn't, didn't didn't you guys like have Halloween costumes and you made fun of him for it or something? No, no. What happened was it was there was one Halloween where I and my sisters had walked a tremendous distance and we were out trick or treating for hours and hours and hours and I had filled up a I had a big bag big a shopping bag of candy filled to the brim and I saw your father walking, I think we were like nine, eight, eight years old, nine years old, again, but nine. I ran over to him and I go, look at all this candy I've got. And your father remembered till the, <laughs> till till the day he day died. That I did not offer him one piece of that candy. You were just so excited you wanted to show it off more than yeah. anything else. You're like, ah. He always held it against me. And I, said, but look, I said, but look at all the wonderful things, you know, you know, the wonderful meals that I've cooked for you and shot for you. Well, um, when you guys were younger, I guess, there was moments where, you know, Tati was unemployed. And you said something about he went ahead and, and, and was looking for work. And found an ad in the newspaper. Oh gosh, that was a, that story was hysterical. Yeah, um, what happened was he saw there was a blind ad, and it just said looking for man, looking for someone to manage our. Uh, I'd say the string of stores. What would you say? Yeah, string of stores. That makes okay, sense. Yeah, and so send your resume, and it gave a, a PO num PO box number. So he sent his resume. Well, the problem was, see, that your father had spent most of his life working in his father's store. So he was very, very familiar with retail management. That's all he had done. And then your uh, grandfather retired and sold the store. So your father tried to get a job in retail management, which was basically the only thing he knew how to do at that point. And at that time, there were the Maryland blue laws were in effect. So most stores were either closed on Sunday or very, very limited on Sunday with what they could sell and the hours they could be open if they were open. So your um, father tried to apply for a job in retail management and it, it was a problem either with the beard or the yarmulke or the Shabbos because they would tell him, I'm sorry that their biggest shopping day is Saturday. And if he can't work Saturday, that's sorry, they, they cannot hire him. Or we'll be happy to hire you, take off your yarmulke and shave your beard. And, uh, of course, he would not do that. He was a man of very strong conviction. Baruch Hashem, thank God. We both were. So he answered this blind ad. And the person calls back very enthusiastic and says, we saw your resume. We're very impressed. Um, we want to hire you. Can you start Monday? 
So your father says, oh, wait a minute, you don't understand. I'm an Orthodox Jew. I need late Friday afternoon off, and I need all day Saturday off. And they, they replied, no problem. We'll be happy to hire you. Can you start Monday? So he says, wait a minute, I need Rosh Hashanah off. I need Yom Kippur. I take off the entire week of Sukkot. I take off the entire week of Passover. And it was, no problem. We'll be happy to hire you. Can you start Monday? So now your father's getting suspicious. And he says to this person, excuse me, what kind of stores are these? And the answer was, oh, adult bookstores, <clears throat> quote unquote. Your father takes a deep breath and he mumbles under his breath, where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, look, sir, he says, um, I'm married. I'm an Orthodox Jew. I've got a family. No, I cannot get involved in any of this. And he hung up. Now, your father, so your father, um, eventually, um, he did get a job as a Meshachiach. In fact, um, friends of ours in New York uh, contacted OU Laboratories and OK Laboratories, and they were very, very happy to have some representative that was living in Maryland and because all the Meshachiachim had to drive out of New York, and that meant staying overnight someplace, being away from their families for a couple of days, Whereas if we ha if they had someone like in the southern area, like your father could drive to Virginia, check out a farm or a factory there, drive to Pennsylvania and be there and back in just one day. And so they were very happy to have somebody so close. So um, he was working as a Meshachiach and there were a couple really funny stories that happened with that. There was one time he was a Meshachiach in a, it was a non-Jewish family who made chocolates, um, chocolate candies. And one of the, it was a family owned business. And one of the adult children had an idea. Why don't they go kosher and try to open up a new market? So they, um, uh, they, I don't, they, I don't know who they called a rabbi or somebody who referred uh, your father to them and your father advised them what they would have to do to go kosher. And, um, he advised them also to, um, make it Yisrael. So that, you know, all the, from the entire from community could take advantage of uh, their product. So the father of the family, the old man, uh, kind of did not like the idea, but he was he got outvoted by his wife and kids. So um, one of his specialties of the old man liked to do was around Easter time, he would make the his bunny rabbits, his big chocolate bunny rabbits, you know, where you, with the big chocolate ears that you bite off the ears and eat them first, whatever. But he went ahead and he just used his own non-kosher ingredients in them. Your father came into the factory and saw him producing these things and saw the ingredients he was using and stopped him and said, I'm sorry. He says, you're going to have to stop production. You're going to have to wash out your equipment with hot water. And so the old man started to hand him a $20 bill. Your father handed him back the $20 bill and said, like I said, you're going to have to stop production and wash out all your equipment with hot water. The guy grabbed a fire extinguisher and blasted your father right in the face with it. Whoa. Your father held his breath, ran to the nearest sink and washed it off. 
And when the kids, of course, came in and found out what their father had done, they were just horrified. So I called up. Uh, at that time, Bonacostris was in its infancy. It was just beginning, just the very, very beginnings of it. And so I called up the rabbi at that time who was organizing the in charge of basic kashras in Baltimore City. I said to him, uh, Rabbi such and such, I'm very concerned about what happened to my husband the other day. I never knew this job held such occupational hazards. So he says to me, Mrs. Angster, please, I can reassure you, something like this has never, ever, 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 ever happened to any of our people. Just your father. So. <laughs> That's my dad. Well, I, I have a question. Then. Um, in those times when you were both in Crown Heights and then in Baltimore, um, as, a, as a newlywed couple, as a young couple having kids, um, clearly there was ups and downs. What would Tati do to cheer you up and make you feel better, like all's right in the world? Uh, well, there was one time uh, when we were in, living in New York was very difficult um, for us as a young couple. You know, we were living in this uh, small, in this apartment. The apartment was nice. The apartment was a decent size. But I told you before, we discussed this one time about, um, unfortunately, in the 70s, um, a lot of the New York um, plumbing systems were very antiquated. And there was very often in where the weather would be very cold and you would have no heat or hot running water uh, until, the, you know, like I said, the plumber, the plumber came to fix it. So um, well, there was this one uh, circus where... We were in that situation. I was very, very depressed. And so your father uh, said to me, let's, let's go upstairs. We'll go to the roof where the sukkah was. Let's go to the roof where the sukkah is. He said, we'll sit in the sukkah. And I'll, I'll learn uh, Rebbe Sicha with you. And I had this very sad expression on my face. And I would, I had been crying. And your father opened up the uh, book of Sichas. And the Sicha, the, the theme of the Sicha was, which in Hebrew means how happy are we, how pleasant is our lot. So your father starts to read the Pasek and he looks at me and just cracks up laughing. <laughs> so there was horrible, depressed look on my face and the topic is Another time he said to me, look, he says, you have clothes to wear, right? Yeah. He said, you got food, right? I said, yeah. He says, you got a roof over your head, right? I said, yeah. He goes, okay. He says, why, he says, why be upset? He says, look, you got all these things. Why be upset? And then there was the time that um, when um, uh, your grandfather first sold the store and your father was having trouble finding a job. He, this is before he was able to get this position um, with the various kosher organizations as a Mishagiyah. So um, we were just, there was one day he had no job to go to. And we had no money, and we're sitting there next to each other and sitting there in silence. And I said to him, well, let's look on the bright side. He goes, what bright side? I said, the only way from here financially is up. <laughs> um, so what else did you do, I guess? Oh, one more thing with the vodka, the with the, um, uh, the Mishikir job. There was one time that he was given an assignment to go 
to a farm where they were going to do a run of Chov Yisrael. And the it was a hot summer night, and the farmer was just such a mean, nasty guy that he would not permit my your tati to sleep in that in his house. Your father had to sleep in this little car that we had in the time with both windows open out in the field with the cows. And so he had the windows open. He he's, he was a tall man, so he had his feet. He, he was he had his his head was down on one of the seats sleeping, and his feet were stuck out the window. And he got woken up in the morning with a cow that poked its head into the car and was touching his nose to your father's face and went moo. Oh God, <laughs> Tati really worked very very hard for us. He worked extremely hard. I, I just looking back, I just I hope I feel like he was appreciated. You know, I always feel like maybe sometimes he wasn't. Um, we just took it for granted. Um, but I think all children feel that way because children don't know. A child is a child. Children don't know what it's like to raise a family and to have to make a living. In fact, I look back now. My my own parents. I used to be very very down on my parents. Um, about the hours my father worked and, hey, he should have spent more time with us and yada, yada. And now I look back at the way both my parents worked in my father's business, and I said, my goodness, you know, it was what they did was amazing. So what was it like raising a family with Tati? Um, well, um, <clears throat> the problem was, um, well, his parents helped us out a lot financially, which was wonderful. My parents helped as much as they could. You know, they gave, my mother was always going shopping and buy whatever was on sale. You know, if there's if any, any paper goods that were on sale, she would totally stock up on them and then invite us to come over and take whatever we wanted, canned goods, anything on sale. She'd buy lots of cans if they were on sale. So she was, you know, able to supply us a lot with, with, you know, with food and with paper goods. But as far as like moral support goes, um, like reassuring us that uh, what we were doing was the right thing. Uh, they, we were like pioneers because our parents were not religious. So as far as they were concerned, you don't have money to have a large family. Well, what are you doing then? You know, if you can't afford all these kids, why are you having so many of them? Which instead of looking at it like we did, um, hey, we are we are very committed to wanting to preserve the existence of the Jewish people because especially in those days was the heyday of the zero population people. And we saw a lot of the non-religious Jewish people were having either no children or maybe one or maybe two at the most. And, you know, if everybody thought like that, what eventually would become of the Jewish people? Yeah. So we basically, um, it took a lot of strength of character and a lot of strength of conviction to, you know, live the lifestyle we were living. So what did you do to keep the love alive? How did you keep the relationship fresh? And how did you do what you can to, like, still make it all the way to the end of the rope, really? Um, that's a really good question. I got to think about that for a while. <laughs> no worries. Take your time. Um, I can give you a lighter question and then we can go to the bigger one. I was, I, th I think... I tried to be as positive as I could. I tried to be as supportive as supportive as I could mm -hmm. uh, of your of your father. Like, what did you do to be supportive? Um, I 
I never really, I never got on his case for, um, quote unquote, not bringing home enough money or not having this, nothing that I reassured him that he was doing the best he could, especially when he was unemployed and he was applying for all these jobs. I told myself, listen, you're doing the best you can. You're applying for all these jobs. And I, I, ironically, I was not worried because your father was not lazy and your father had a very strong sense of responsibility. And I knew that this was a person who would toe the line and would do everything he could to, to provide for us. And I worked part-time, he worked, part, you know, whatever jobs we could either get. I mean, I did daycare for a while. I also um, taught, uh, you know, private music lessons. And um, uh, I, so, you know, I, I taught uh, Hebrew school. Mm-hmm. So, and um, between that and, um, you know, there were food stamps. We were eligible for food stamps, eligible for WIC. And your father, you know, doing uh, jobs for Vodokosheris. Um, Basically, we were able to make ends meet. It was okay. Things worked out. So what did you guys, out of curiosity, like I know a lot of couples have like inside jokes, continuous jokes, things that you would say or do to each other just to make each other laugh. But something that was just the same old, same old, like, oh, that's that's like a go-to thing that the person would do. I would sing the country western song, even though we ain't got money, I'm so in love with you, honey. So what? So what? What would what would talk to you do to that to that degree? Nah. <laughs> no, you would do something. He would just stop. He wouldn't say. He wouldn't say. He was very subtle in his ways. He was a very subtle person. Yeah, I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So, like, was there anything subtle that he would do? No, he just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> you, did you like that about him? That, that he was he was more soft and quiet. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. I quite. Your father wasn't quiet though. Well, I know he, he wasn't, wasn't quiet in one. He wasn't quiet in one way, and he was super quiet in another. Yeah. He he was two polar opposites together in the same person. But I remember when he was working for um, your grandfather when he was working in your grandfather's store. There were also some funny stories with that too. Um, he would um, run a couple. I would call him every day to give him like a list of things to bring home because his father was very generous. His father would let him take whatever he needed from the store. He would let him take home. Like if you know, if there were like say um, a shipment of diapers that came in and the box was slightly damaged, so he would he would let him take you know, take it home. You know, you, I know you can use this. So um, at that time. Your uh, grandfather had one of those old drugstores with the eating counter, and your father felt that the eating counter was a big liability. It was a big expense. It wasn't pulling in that much money, um, besides the fact that the people working there were very, very um, hard to get along with. So your father for, for had been really trying for a long time to convince his father to get rid of the eating counter and instead to set up an auto parts store, you know, auto supplies, you know, oil, little things that the average person could use on their car. So um, there was an incident where one of the waitresses was a little on the crazy side and got very, got so angry at one of the customers. She grabbed a knife and yelled, I can't take it from you people anymore. And started to chase one of the customers with this butcher knife. Oh God. And I was called, I called your father and I said, um, Sal, he goes, can't talk to you now. I've got to wrestle a knife away from somebody. <laughs> he actually had to tackle this woman and wrestle the knife away from her. Oh, wow. Then there was another time I called him. Also, the store was not located. How can I say it in 
the, the nicest of the nicest of neighborhoods. So one time I called him and it was I can't talk to you now. There's a fight that just broke up between this this woman caught her caught her husband uh, with his girlfriend and they oh and she's trying to beat her up. I gotta separate, separate them. So he had that problem. And he was very lucky though. One time he was he left early, you know, Friday afternoon he would leave early for Shabbos. Almost right after he left, a gunman came into the store and held everybody up. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Good thing he missed that. All right. Well, that's our time. Thank you so much, Hema, for helping me out with this. Um, and thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, again, this is Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please tell everyone around you, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies. doesn't matter who listens to it, as long <laughs> as you listen to it. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please like and share and find us on Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother Podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you.